0: Oh, hello. Welcome back and welcome to August. I am going to be honest with you. I'm pretty jazzed up for the month of August. I just think it is such a nice transitional month. It like takes the excitement and the energy and the awesomeness of summer and couples it with this like clearing the decks, planning for the last four months of the year. So it's kind of just one of my favorites. Actually, it might actually be my favorite month. It is such a good one. Um, I just kicked off my marketing momentum lab last week, which is another reason I'm excited. And it has been, let me tell you, a super duper time so far. I have four amazing women entrepreneurs. And in the group, they are working on visibility and marketing using both inside the box and outside the box approaches. And I kind of wanted to give you some behind the scenes of what it was like to create the program because I think it will help inspire you in, in anything that you're launching and creating as I share some of my ahas and takeaways. So, Essentially, the Marketing Momentum Lab came to me as a shower thought. I had just had a CEO day with a fellow entrepreneur. And if you haven't already heard my episode on why I think every entrepreneur should have a CEO day, go back and listen to episode uh, 148 after you listen to this one. I'll make sure I include the link in the show notes because I talk about how it really can help your business grow with some of that high level strategy and planning. I also plan to do a. multi-person CEO day podcast very soon as I have one more of those coming up with some friends in August. And by then I will have had quite a few of those under my belt with CEO days I've done with other people. And so I'll be able to share with you how to do one for yourself with your business friends. And if you're local, um, I will always come facilitate one for you with you and your team. Anyway, so in this CO day that I did with my friend, we worked through a couple of ideas together for her business and then on a few for mine. And one of her ideas was um, she suggested I do like a limited audio series with content-related topics, sort of like a mini podcast that people could download to get like a workshop-style series right on their phones. I liked this idea but it didn't entirely light me up. Now, first of all, I already have a podcast and the idea of figuring out a private feed or a limited series, it kind of sounded less fun than, let's say, swallowing nails. Um, plus, I already have a way that I deliver content in a really hands-off. I have a few ways, actually, that I deliver content in like more of a hands-off way without that face-to-face interaction Um for example, I use social media, I write blogs, I have an email, I use this podcast and a few others that where you're not really getting to see my face. You're not really getting like one-to-one interaction with me. Um, it's more just like a something I've already created and then you get to consume. So I thought to myself, all right, what if I created something that was super cozy and small? I love small groups. They're my jam. And it was really, really high touch and gave people just like a wow factor of value. I wanted to do something out of the box that was not just content focused and not just like the keys to the visibility castle in the way that you usually think of it, but kind of a conglomeration of all the things I've used to grow my own businesses, as well as our previous product-based business. And so like that, The Marketing Momentum Lab was born, and let me tell you, it is jam-packed with what I've learned and what I use on a regular basis as a content writer and the founder and leader of the She Built This community. So I attended another mastermind, uh, CEO day with some friends in May, and they really helped me to hash out the wording for it, like create the actual programs, nuts and bolts, voila. So I went home after that day and I put together a stunning info page, a look and feel that just felt right for me and my brand. And then I was off to the races. Then it came time to sell it. How do you even do that? Am I right? Like once you create the thing, you hone in on your service, you get clear on what you're offering. Here's the fun part, folks. You have to actually go out there and sell it so that people buy it. Well, I do have a strong confidence and belief that I'm excellent at what I do. I know what I'm offering people has a high value and there's quality in my work. I am not always great at selling myself. And when I say selling, I don't mean like pushing my stuff on people. I actually just mean opening up the conversation and being able to ask them the right questions that will make it easy for them to get the help they need and then work together. So that part is hard for me. um, And I am a work in progress. I did end up with four awesome women in my Marketing Momentum Lab. I learned that I am in love with this format and I'm definitely gonna run the group again in in the fall. I learned that I need to make it easier for people to help me share because other people may not wanna sign up for themselves, but they do wanna help you share your work. And my friend Karen Kenny. Uh, messaged me like the day before I was closing and was like, how can I share this? And she created some graphic, which was not my own graphic because I didn't even have one in place. I I wasn't making it easy for people to share with me. Sorry. I mean, share with their audiences. Um, But that's part of selling too, right? Like getting other people on board to help you in that process. So anyway, through all of this, like I said, I ended up with four awesome women in the Marketing Momentum Lab. Um, I learned I also have a couple of other additional resources around this same framework and I want to incorporate incorporate a lot more of it into my work going forward. I also learned that in my own marketing and my own visibility journey, selling with ease and confidence is something that I really want to focus on and work on. So when today's guest, Nikki Roush, the salesmaven, approached me for this conversation, I was like 100% yes. The theme for August in She Built This on the podcast and in our community is money. Now before you're like, Emily, you greedy little devil, you. It's not like that. I promise. Now, some of you listening are probably in business simply to make money. Like that is the sole purpose of your business, just to make money. Some of you probably need to make money one way or another and decided that starting your own business and doing something you love and are passionate about is the way you wanted to go about doing that. And I also know that some of you listening probably don't really need to make money, but you have a business because it's doing something that you love. Either way, how much you want to make, why you want to make it, Uh, That is all totally your business and up to you. But I will say many of our businesses are responsible for helping put the roofs over our head and our bread on our table and letting us live our lives in ways that we enjoy and love, right? So if we can't make money, if we aren't willing to accept it and ask for it and make it easy for people to give it to us, we cannot run successful businesses, enter selling and sales conversations. AKA the most uncomfortable conversations some of us have to have in our businesses. If that's you, hopefully you will feel differently after this conversation. And by the end of the month, I would love for money and sales conversations and talk to feel like second nature to you, to feel comfortable. My reviewer of the week says it so well. D. Pippin. This is such a perfect podcast for busy entrepreneurs. Even if you only have 15 minutes to listen, you're going to reduce the head trash and walk away with clarity about your next steps. And that is exactly, thank you D. Pippin so much for your review. That is exactly what this month is all about. Reducing the head trash and walking away with clarity around money, asking for money, sales. So like I said, thank you so much for D. Pippin for listening. And as always, I invite you all to write a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell me what you love and what you walk away with and what you love about the episode and the guests. So here's who I have on the docket for you this month. This month, we're going to be talking to Nikki Roush today, the sales maven. She's going to bring in together the last month's theme of communication with this month's theme of money, and I think you're going to love it. Then you and I are going to have a hearty little chat about how your words make money and how you can reframe some of those things that you might dread doing in your business. Um, I also have Kim Dawson of the Sassy Strategist podcast coming on to talk about niching, pricing, hiring, all things related to your bottom line. We have Tasha Booth, whose scaling story will inspire the heck out of you. And Kendra Kearney, who is one of our recent panelists actually at the She Built This Gala. She has an amazing story of managing wealth in her family, as well as how she helps others to do the same. So I know, wow, right? It's going to be uh, a really good month, and I think that if you stick around and soak up all the wisdom this podcast has to offer this month, you're going to be in a different place than when you started. All right, without further ado, and without giving away too many spoilers about what you're in for this month, um, I'm going to welcome our today's guest, sales maven Nikki Roush, who, as you will hear, has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. I've personally been listening to Nikki's podcast for quite a bit now, and I just love everything she shares on there, in addition to what she shares in my conversation with her today. I love her voice a lot, um, and I also love the transparency that she delivers throughout our conversation and her openness at the end. With 25 plus years of selling experience, entrepreneurs and small business owners hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically. Nikki has written three books, all available on Amazon, and she has a podcast called The Sales Maven, which I highly recommend, which you can find on your favorite podcast platform after you're done listening to today's episode, of course. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you.
1: Hi, Nikki, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I am super excited to have you, and I just kind of want to dive right in. Um, I'm a loyal listener to your podcast, and so I would love to hear more about like who you are at your core, and mm-hmm. then, of course, what you do and
1: how you got started. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, at my core, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm absolutely committed to personal and professional development, so I don't know if that's what you meant, but that's that's how I would define myself as a lifelong learner. I'm totally. The and there were so many learning. things
0: you there were so many things you could have chosen from. So I love that you picked that. Um I too am a lifelong learner and I love that there are so many resources now like right at our fingertips that we can oh, use to learn.
1: Yes. For sure. I'm I'm just absolutely amazed and I love technology. So anything that can deliver information using technology in a really effective way I get super excited about. Awesome. And then tell us
0: more about like what you do now, but actually not just what you do now, but how you got into doing what you
1: do Mm -hmm. now. So I am a professional uh, sales rep by trade. (laughs) That's my, the, like my profession. So I was in the technology space for 17 plus years, selling um, to large organizations, closing big, big deals, managing a really large territory. I was a road warrior, traveling sales rep. And during my time as a sales rep, I got really interested in how to continue to hone my skills, because again, lifelong learner. And I started studying neurolinguistic programming. And if that's a new term to anybody listening, it's essentially the study of communication, how to have more effective conversations, um, the neuro part of of NLP for short has to do with the way the brain processes information. Linguistics is language. I love language. I love how words can influence and how words can build people up. And then the programming part is about habits and patterns. And so I started studying NLP because I thought it would it would make me a better salesperson, which it absolutely did. But really, it just made me a better communicator, and it, in, it ended up really improving all of the relationships okay. in my life because I got a I got better at communicating. And so when I decided to to take a step back from the industry that I was in, I felt like it was time for me to do something new and different. I went to work to help build somebody else's training business. And that's when I started hanging around with entrepreneurs, specifically women entrepreneurs. And I just love being around entrepreneurs because they're so incredibly passionate about what they do. And the impact they want to make in the world. And as I got to know more of these women, I found a lot of them were really struggling to make money in their business, and it was most of the time because they didn't really understand sales. So my business that I have now, which is Sales Maven, I combined my NLP experience and my sales experience, and now I teach primarily women how to have more effective sales conversations, so that they can make a bigger impact in their lives in their business and in their communities. So first of all, I love that you reframe
0: sales as a communication, because I do think that we have this kind of gross feeling or association (laughs) with sales. And so I think think the best place to start is really just like, let's define what sales are, what sales is in your Mm -hmm. business. As opposed to, say, your marketing, which is where I see people constantly getting the two confused.
1: Yes. They're kind of cousins, just to be really clear. Sales and marketing are cousins, but they are not the same thing. So marketing is bringing leads into your business. And sales is taking that lead and finding out what's what's going on for this person. Do they have a problem, a need, or a want? And then positioning an offer that meets that need, that want, that desire, and doing it in a really effective way so it makes it easy for the other person to make a decision to hire you, yes or no. So when I think about sales, sales to me is something that you do with people. It's a collaborative experience. It's not something you do to people, which I think goes back to that misconception of sales feels icky and gross because we... We hear about and often are taught that sales is something you do to somebody. You're trying to manipulate them. You're trying to convince them. And I absolutely do not stand by that at all. I don't believe in that. I don't think your job is to convince people to buy from you. I think your job is to understand what's going on for this person. And do I have a solution that will help them improve their life or business or get them something that they want? And if so, then it's my obligation to put that in front of them and allow for them to decide that they would like to take that next step and buy that thing, whatever it is.
0: Mm, beautifully said. Like I- in a way you can think of sales as an act of service really, because you're oh, kind yeah. of offering them up something that they need if they, if they do in fact really need that thing. Yeah. Um, do you, I was going to ask if you hear any other like myths or misconceptions around sales that you kind of are like, let's bust this one too while we're at it.
1: <laughs> no, I, I feel like we could do a whole episode just around that. <laughs> you know, the one of the other big ones is I think we hear a lot, and and I think this is mostly driven by marketing, but it's like you got to sell on the pain. You know, find out what people's pain points are, and then like press on them and. And unfortunately, I think one, people misunderstand how to do that effectively. But two, I think people have taken it to another step and they start creating pain for people. It's kind of like, I don't know, somebody walks up to you with a piece of paper and they like give you, you know, 20 paper cuts and then they go, oh, bless your heart, baby, you're bleeding. You know what? I sell Band-Aids. You should buy my Band-Aids. It's like, I'm bleeding because you cut me. and I don't want to buy from you now because it feels gross. And, you know, like, so this whole idea of like, you got to sell on people's pain. And I I don't really like that stuff either. I think realistically. Yeah, you are
0: speaking my language. Like, I feel the same. I feel the same in the copy and content world. Like, stop giving people giant wounds and then being like, oh,
1: I can help you with some of that.
0: (laughs) But now you're feeling all the feels.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then the other one else I'll comment on is this shotgun approach to sales is that everybody should buy from you. So you have to send out, you know, 50,000 emails to 50,000 people that have never heard of you before and try to sell them. I think that is a ginormous waste of time. And I think you really shouldn't ever go into sales mode with anybody without their permission. And if you don't have their permission, you shouldn't be selling to them. Oh, I love that you said that. <laughs>
0: We're going to put that one on a loop. <laughs> um, there are some people that need to hear that again and again and again. So for the people that do not need to hear that again and again, uh, I'm going to bring in another example of a kind of person who might struggle in this area. So I recently, I just got off a Zoom call with um, someone that I took a course with. And for me, I saw the course, I saw the price, and I was like, no-brainer, sign me up. And she was asking me how she how I felt about the price, and I was like, oh, I think you could raise that a $1,000, and I still would have purchased it. Um, and not that that's even the cap, I'm just saying like that would have still, at that point, been a no-brainer for me.
1: Mm-hmm. So she's
0: like, well, I don't want people to think that I'm selfish, or I don't want to, you know, pricing is so hard, and selling yourself is so hard, because, you know, I just don't want anyone to feel that I'm in it for the money. So... Having that, turning that question on you, uh, do you, do a lot of people that you work with find that they feel selfish when they're in that selling
1: seat? I think they can, and I think this is a little bit of our society that kind of we try to. Sh- it's it's like we want to shame people for wanting to make money. Like there's something that that money is evil, but in actuality, it's just an exchange. It's just a way to. Exchange a product for service, you have to get something in return. And as far as like being selfish, it would be one thing if you sold a product and the person paid, let's say, a thousand dollars, just because you said that she could raise it a thousand, but let's say they pay a thousand dollars and you give them nine hundred dollars worth of value. That's selfish. But if somebody pays you $1,000 for something and the value that they get out of it is $1,000, $1,001, $12,000, $100,000, then you have delivered on their expectations. And so it isn't about the price. It's about the value that the person is going to get out of this. So for instance, If whatever it was that you bought from her, if that's going to improve your life or your business in some way, that will usually have a long-term ripple effect. So it's absolutely something that you will benefit from, get huge value. And then now you're like, gosh, I would have paid a lot more for it. There's nothing selfish about her going, great, you would have paid more for it. I'm going to raise my price. Because the other thing is people value what they pay for. I mean, I can give away everything that I teach for free. And people will go, yeah, yeah, Nikki, whatever. But I will say, without a doubt, my clients who pay me the most money, which are my private coaching clients, they get the absolute biggest results of anybody I work with. And I'm not telling them anything different than I'm, other than, you know, tailoring it specific to their business than what I teach in my group coaching program or what I, what I offer in some of my, you know, low ticket like courses. So. It's just that implementers get results and people who pay, pay attention.
0: Yeah, you know, part of me is making me, part of me is is thinking maybe the selling process we, in our minds, end it at, okay, they paid my invoice, when really maybe that selling process isn't over until they have gotten the results from it or until they're done working with you, you know? So maybe it's more of like a long-term kind of mindset around it that helps you to, Rewire that feeling of being selfish.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, like, the, there's nothing selfish about taking your. Because here's the other thing like, she probably isn't taking into account the fact that um, she has spent time, energy, money investing in herself to learn whatever it is that she's now teaching you in this course. And if you add up all of the money and the time <laughs> and the effort that she put in to creating that course, you, she probably would go like, dang, I should raise it $2,000. I did yeah, this for a client. Yeah. not uh, A few years ago, one of my private coaching clients kind of had the same. I mean, this is a really common thing. And she's like, I don't think I can charge this much. And people are pushing back on my price. And I was like, okay, so do me a favor. In the last five years, you know, think about, and it was a course that she was offering. I want you to think about all of, all of the things that you learned that allowed for you to create this course. And I want you to add up all of your investments that you made, just, just the money you invested. That's it. And she like, she started adding it up and she was like, okay, so five years. And she got to like $30,000 and she was having a hard time selling it for ninety seven. dollars Dollars, oh and I was like goodness. you invested $30,000 to learn this and you're asking people to pay $97 to now learn something that you have taken in you've applied in your own life you have gotten these amazing results and now you want to share this with the world and then she was like you know what you're right Nikki and she was like now it's $5.95 I was like perfect great and now she sells it it's fine like, nobody's going like, how dare you give me this thing for five They're like, this is amazing. This is awesome. And I didn't have to invest five years and $30,000 to get it.
0: Wow. You just gave me the chills. That is awesome. Um, okay. So let's kind of shift gears a little bit. I know that you talk a lot about relationship selling. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious to know what that is and then how it might differ from
1: like traditional sales models. So relationship selling to me has a foundation of rapport first. So I would say, uh, re- well, really what I say is relationship first, rapport always. So you're putting the relationship, you're putting the person as the priority, more. they're more important than the sale. And I think the traditional kind of sales approach that which really I think is super outdated at this point, but this is how, you know, I was taught to sell and, you know, all of the sales books in the you know, in the nineties and still a lot of the messaging that I see out on social media about people that are teaching sales. It's very, it's very self-focused. It's like, you know, do this thing to this person, say this thing to this person. And so it's very, it's, it's a lot of like, It's all about me and what I'm getting out of it. So my job is to convince you that you must buy from me. And I am so anti the convince thing. Like it's never your job to convince anybody to buy from you. Like I said earlier, it's your job to understand what's their need, what's their want, what's their desire. And do you have a solution that will meet that? And if the answer is no, that you cannot deliver on what their need is or what their want is, then you need to bless and release. And you do it in a kind way so the person doesn't feel less than, they don't feel like they're not good enough to work with you. It's just this isn't the right fit for them. No hard feelings. I like you as a person. I care about you as a person. And I'm not going to take your money for something that isn't going to get you the results that you need. And then on the flip side is if once you understand that need, then you do start to feel an obligation to put it in front of the person, the offer, so they can decide to, to buy from you or not. And that to me is the putting the relationship first. That's relationship selling. It's, it's really making it about the person and that it should be a collaborative experience. Sales isn't, again, it's not, th- it's not something you do to people. It's something you do with. It should be a collaborative ex- experience relationship. So
0: how do you, how do you know when you're in a sales conversation, how are you able to differentiate between that? Okay. Yes, they need this and no, they do not need this. And like, where do I choose that fork in the road, so Mm. to speak?
1: Yeah. So the thing that I think is going to help you identify that is the questions that you're asking the person. So I am a true believer that in the discovery process, part of the sales conversation, that you should have some set list of questions that you ask people that help you identify, am I talking to an ideal client? And also helps the person identify, self-identify, ooh, Emily's got something that I need, or she can help me solve some problem that I'm having. So I think it's through the questions that you ask that allows for you to go, yes, I'm talking to somebody who has a need for what I what I offer, and I have a solution for it, or gosh, I get a sense that what they're really looking for, I mean, and this happens with me, is I'll get a sense that what they're really looking for is they're looking for help with marketing. And that's not me. So I would just say in that moment, you know, I get a sense that what you're really wanting is some marketing support. And I focus on sales. So I just don't think I'm the right fit for you. But I want you to know that I'm so glad to have met you and I wish you well. And if I can refer you to somebody that offers this marketing support, I'm happy to do that. But I just get a sense that what I'm doing is not the right fit for you. That's that bless and release.
0: And then I know you also talk a lot about, in, in a similar vein, you talk a lot about like buying signals. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do those look like? And then how do you use those when it is all systems go, all signs yes. Um, <laughs> how do you use those in a sales conversation to kind of propel you forward?
1: Yeah. So buying signals, I actually wrote my second book about buying signals because they're super important that you understand what they are, and what to do when you get one. So a buying signal is a verbal or a nonverbal cue that somebody gives that indicates interest. And the objective is for you to recognize that, oh, I just got a buying signal. And so because I got a buying signal, I'm now gonna act on the signal. So for example, this is like the most obvious buying signal, hopefully, but i always so surprised at how often people don't actually Act on it appropriately. And so, an example of a buying signal is somebody says, So, what does it cost to work with you? So, Mm. in my mind, I hear, Oh, buying signal. They're asking a question, they're asking about pricing. That is a huge potential buying signal. So, you answer the question. Now, an answer to a question about cost is never, it depends, ever. Even if you're saying to yourself, But, Nikki, it does depend. Emily yep. jots this down furiously. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's
0: like always my answer. I'm like, oh, it depends.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that never is the answer to the to the client or to the prospect. Okay, so you might say prices could range between. I don't care what your range is. It could be prices could range between a thousand dollars and a hundred thousand dollars. It doesn't matter. You can have whatever range you want. So for me, if somebody says, Nikki, what's it cost to work with you? I could say, well, you know, you could do anything from buying one of my, you know, $20 books, all the way up to a $10,000 private coaching opportunity. Now, in order to give you a more specific answer, is it okay if I ask you a couple questions? So this is me acting on the buying signal. But let's say it's a more simple, like, what does it cost? You know, Emily, what does it cost to hire you to do X, Y, and Z? And you have a really clear answer and you know, well, that's my X, Y, Z package. And the price of that is $59.95. Now, that's not, we're not done. Okay. So I answer the question and then I'm going to follow up. With, uh, with an invitation, which is usually in the form of another question. So I'm going to say, so that XYZ package is $59.95. Is that something you would like to get signed up for?
0: Oh, I and like I, that. You to- toss the ball right back into their court.
1: Yeah. And then your job is to be quiet and wait and let them answer the question. Okay. That sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> As you can see, there was
0: just a moment of space and I was like, fill it, fill it.
1: silence is an advanced selling skill it truly is and if it feels super uncomfortable then I always I always challenge people to play that game that we played as kids like whoever speaks second wins your job Mm. is to win so wait they'll speak first
0: I guess I have to speak first because I'm the podcast uh, interviewer (laughs) (laughs) Um, in this moment I, I'm curious to know. I heard a recent podcast of yours where you talked about sales phrases to avoid. So like it depends. um and and I think that's, you know, in a very specific setting. But what are some sales phrases that you say? we should not be using in sales conversations. And I'll, one of the examples you gave was like I promise. And I when you mm. were saying that, I was just nodding my head, "Yes, keep going."
1: <laughs> okay, so that that episode is really these it's 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 not even sales phrases. It's like common phrases mm. that we bring into sales conversations that do not belong. So you saying to somebody like, I promise this is going to be amazing. You're going to love it is such a, and I mean this with love. So if there's anybody listening that says this, like this is not me bashing you in any way because we all do this. Even me, it sounds really immature Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you don't you just don't need it it's an unneeded phrase i promise i promise you're going to love this i promise this is going to work for you i promise it's like no just leave off the i promise because it's it's known as a qualifier you just don't need it it's so unnecessary so just say this will work here's here's what here's how this is going to work for you this is the program that i recommend you don't need to say i promise like leave that type of stuff off because I think really it starts to erode your credibility as a professional. After you said that,
0: I started seeing it in like it, you know, of course, then it became like the red car and I saw it everywhere, but I was seeing it on like sales pages and yeah. on websites and I was like, people really love to throw this one around. And and quite frankly, you can't promise very much in life. So I would challenge you to ask yourself if you really can promise what you're saying.
1: Yeah. It's almost like, it's like if somebody's you you somebody says something to you and you say back to them, I feel like little kids do this and they go, you know, they you say, hey, we're going to go to the zoo. And they go, you promise? You promise we're going to go to the zoo? And you go, I promise. It's like you're trying to reassure a little kid. So you go, I promise. But only little kids are asking for that. Adults aren't saying like, your husband doesn't say to you, do you promise? Do you promise we're going to go to the zoo? It's like, no, <laughs> I said we're going to go to the zoo, so we're, we're going to go. Like, you just don't need it. It's not building up any credibility for you. If anything, it sounds, again, it sounds a little immature and it it just doesn't, it doesn't feed your authority and your expertise. So I say leave it off.
0: <laughs> All right. Give us one more
1: of those. Well, here's another one that people talk about that I want to give you a, people say this and here's what to say instead, is they talk about their offers. You'll see this all through copy on sales pages. You'll see it in people's uh, messaging on their websites. Like it's just, it's freaking everywhere. And they'll say like, this program can do this. Or when we work together, I can blah, blah, blah. It's like, mm, no. No. That sounds, again, it sounds a little like, well, maybe it'll work. It's like, no, stand in your place of authority and say, this program will, when you, you know, when you implement, here's what you will receive. Here's what you will experience. So leave off the can. Can is one of those, like, it just sounds like you're trying to worm your way out of being an authority. And if you re- know that it reminds you're... me of like a yeah.
0: results not typical in like a weight loss <laughs> ad, you know?
1: <laughs> it's like all this stuff at the end of like a prescription drug commercial where you're like, oh, you know, here's all the side effects. It you just don't need it. You don't need can. You usually most of the time I would say replace can with will. And you'll yeah, find I that like your that. statements are much stronger and you will sound way more credible. Now, if there's some part of you that's like, well, Nikki, I can't say that for sure because it'll it'll be up to them. Well, yeah, everything's up to them. It doesn't matter what you're selling. You can't do the work for your clients, right? Like you, m- maybe depending on what you, well, and then if you're doing the work, then you can say, well, because you know you're going to do it. But if it's something that the client has to take responsibility for, and this is why I shout this from the rooftops constantly, you'll hear it on my podcast, I'm sure you've heard it, Emily, is I always say, implementers get results. And I'm saying that because I know that my clients, when they implement, they get big results with the work they do with me, the techniques that I teach that they implement, they get big results in their business. So, I'm not out there saying this will 10X your business. This will, you know, triple your blah, blah, blah in this many days. Like, I don't say that stuff. I will say this will do this. When you do this, here's what will happen. And I can say that with confidence because I know when my clients implement, they get results. Now, clients that come back and go, this didn't work for me, Nikki. And I go, let's look at what you did. They have never done the things that I advised. They're like, well, I changed this and I changed that and I actually didn't actually send out any emails making an offer. Well, <laughs> if you're not selling, nobody's going to buy. If you're not putting offers out into the market, it's pretty hard to sell anything.
0: Yeah, the topic of not implementing on on these many things that you are choosing to educate yourself with and purchase, um, that's a big topic for another day because <laughs> I see that very often in the entrepreneurial space. And I think it's probably like the number one thing that gets under my skin. Um, so <laughs> again, bigger conversation for another day. Totally. Um, get it. So Nikki, speaking of sales phrases to avoid, you know, and, and I'm sure you see this too, but I also see a lot of these same phrases on social media. And I do want to emphasize like social media, while it is not your sales tool, it is a avenue to get people to st- to take the next step to get into the selling process with you. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're talking about using social media, how do you really help people to reframe it to talking with people, making it that same conversation, that same two-way street of communication instead of talking at people.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, I love this question so much because I love everything that talks that gives people the the distinction between talking with versus talking at. And social media Because if you're doing it like everybody else, chances are you're talking at people constantly. And we are starting to get so overwhelmed that we just tune out because we're being talked at constantly. So if you want to engage your followers, your people who are, you know, if you, you want people to actually engage with you, the way that you can talk with them is by asking questions. Just like when you're in person. I don't know if you've ever gone to lunch with somebody and they just talk the whole time. They don't ask you one question. It can be really hard. You leave and you go, I don't, I feel like I was just there to be their audience. That also happens on social media where are like, they're not there to just be your audience, engage them. And the way you engage people just like at lunch with a friend is you ask questions and you give them an opportunity to answer. So an example on social media is you know, people might go like, hey, here's this huge accomplishment that I just made. Look at me. I'm so great. That's one way. That's talking at. You could also say, what is the biggest accomplishment you, you've you achieved in the last, you know, month? Then you put some space and you go, here's mine. And then now you can talk about what yours is. But if you ask the question first, that's talking with instead of at. So look for ways to ask questions. It doesn't have to be that you can't talk about yourself on social media because, of course, you should be talking about your business and, you know, your successes and and failures too, frankly. But be willing to ask other people to engage. Let them answer. And they probably yeah. will. And one
0: thing on that note is, um, and I'm I'm very guilty of this, so I'm just kind of like sharing something that's coming to mind, is trying to keep it focused on asking just one question at a time because <laughs> I, we've all seen those posts where it's just like 10 questions. Yes. And, and that's the exact same thing as being talked at. You know, like if yes. your friend was doing that at lunch, you'd be like, I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> so um, same concept and just keeping it focused to like, one question or two book-ended questions that are like identical, just worded differently.
1: That is Co- such copy... a great example.
0: Co- little copy tip. Have to squeeze it in there. <laughs> um All right. So let's talk about, you know, a lot of people listening. Uh, I've heard people say this, that they want to get on stages and get on podcasts and they want to sell from the stage and sell from podcasts. So mm-hmm. do you help people with that as well and like how to transform those speaking engagements maybe even delivering in a workshop setting um to discovery calls and lead calls.
1: Yes, I absolutely help people with that. I think it's really important that if you're going to put yourself out there that you continuously plant seeds for the for the people in the audience or the people participating and the reason this is super important is that it is very unsatisfying for somebody to get something really awesome with you. Like they they get to see you speak or they hear you on a podcast and then they don't know what to do next. And if, and if they don't know what to do next, they're not going to go like scour your website and they're not going to go look at all your social media stuff. They're going to go, well, that was interesting. Move on to the next thing. So it's your job to plant seeds about how people can take a next step with you. And you can do that in a lot of different ways, but that is absolutely something I work with clients on regularly.
0: Yeah, because going back to what uh, we were talking about at the beginning, sales is a service. And so by you not, you know, not putting yourself out there. In that way, after your speaking engagement, that they were just like, "Oh my gosh, I must know more." Then you're like, "Oh, nope, service isn't for you. You can't find it.
1: <laughs> that's the worst if people are if you if you make people jump through hoops to find you, to buy from you, like and and this is super common. So again, if if there's a part of you that's like, "Oh my gosh, I feel like I might be doing that, then it's just time to learn to do something else. But I, Often when I start working with a client, I realize and I help them start to see that they're putting up a lot of roadblocks for people to buy from them. And when we can remove those roadblocks, they often are like shocked where they're like, I just booked two new clients because I removed this roadblock that I had a blind spot about. I didn't realize that I was asking people to like jump through hoops, go through roadblocks. And so we got to get rid of those because the easier you make it for people to take next steps with you, the more likely they are to do it. And that's where you start to get to work with your ideal clients. That is so good. Thank you. Um, all
0: right. I love giving people like one really actionable takeaway. Mm. So what do you think is like the number one, e- either the number one shift or like the most impactful shift that someone could make starting today in their sales conversations to help increase success and conversions?
1: The The most basic answer that I can give is that most people aren't actually asking for the business. And because you don't ask, the other person, your prospect, your they they don't make a decision to buy from you so you have to get the ma- you have to get the the ask out of your mouth so i usually do this in the form of an invitation so let's say you just had a great conversation with somebody you've told them about your new upcoming you know group program if you don't say is that something you'd like to get signed up for or should we you know Should we book your spot in this? Or you have to issue some kind of an invitation, and then you have to be quiet and wait. So, asking for people's business is super crucial. Now, this doesn't mean just go up to anybody on the street and ask them randomly because that's not going to work. Or sending out you know fifty thousand emails and asking people who have never heard of you to buy from you—that's not going to work. But when you're in conversations with prospective clients, you have to ask for their business every single time. And sometimes you have to ask more than once in order to earn it. Ooh, it's making me hot under the collar just to think about, but I am going to implement
0: this and I will okay. report back to you. Please do. Um, are you Are you ready for my fun wrap up questions? Yes. Okay. You said you're a lifelong learner. So I imagine you're probably either reading a, reading a book or listening to a book right now. Mm. Um, so I'd love
1: to hear what that is. Well, I'll tell you, I just finished listening again to The Go-Giver that was written by um, Bob Berg and I can't think of the other guy's name. John Mann. Yeah, he was on my podcast. John Mann was? Yeah. Awesome. I just interviewed Bob Berg, which is why I had to go back and re-listen to the book because it's my favorite. Honestly, it's my favorite sales book of all time. (laughs) I love it so much. And I haven't read it in a few years. So I was going to, and I just interviewed Bob Berg on the podcast. And so I wanted to go back and read, listen to it. And it was fun to listen versus read because they, they're both, you know, they do the voices on it, like, cause it's told as a parable. It's so good. Awesome. I'll have to, I, I read
0: the Go-Giver Marriage, but I'll have to pick up that one too. Oh, um, so what has been your favorite part of 2022 so far and... I'm not going to ask why, because I'm sure we'll figure it out in your answer. <laughs>
1: Let's see. I feel like I have a few answers to that. So one thing I will say is that in 2022, I'm now back doing some in-person things. Mm-hmm. And for one of the groups where I'm actually a part of a mastermind, like it's not my, ma- I'm not running it. I'm I'm one of the participants in it, that we just did a retreat a couple of weeks ago and to be in person with amazing people that inspire, that I feel really inspired by has been incredible and I've missed it so much. So it's so fun to be back in person with people.
0: I It has an energy that is beyond words and beyond yeah. Zoom. I will say that. Yes. Yes. Um, And then if you don't mind being a little like uh, open and honest, not that you haven't Mm. been, but more so, um, what's something that you are working on right now, uh, like maybe a struggle that you're working on to overcome?
1: Mm. Well, if I'm being really (laughs) like as candid as possible, I will say one of the things that I am a continuous work in progress on has to do with... uh, my ability to accept that I am that I'm okay with who I am as a person and that I don't have to be anything other than me in order for people to love me. Oh
0: my gosh. Nikki, this is gonna be the quote card that goes with the episode. That was okay. beautiful.
1: <laughs> that and feels I, so I vulnerable mean like, to say out loud.
0: Well I barely even know you and I adore you. So I hope that like gives a little bit more fuel to that fire too. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and then why don't you, of course, tell us how to find and connect with you online if you want people to listen to your podcast or you have an opt-in to share with them. I, You know what I mean. PDF. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well, the easiest way for us to get connected is I'm going to wrap it around a gift, which is one of my books. It's an ebook. It's called Closing the Sale. It's all about boosting your confidence in that close. And I actually give you some suggested like close language in there. And you can get that by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash SBT. So that's for your listeners, SBT. And then um, as far as the podcast, it's called Sales Maven. So if you want some more sales tips and techniques and strategies, then please come give it a listen.
0: Okay, thank you. And I'll make sure that link is in the show notes. And this was so much fun. Thank you. Um, I really, really appreciate your time and have loved chatting with you. And I'm sure we're going to have to have an installment number two because there's a lot more.
1: It'd be my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. And it was so fun to get to have this conversation live with you. Thank you, Nikki. To learn more about She Built This and to join
0: our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.